listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. Hi, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. If you're in the business of getting business, then this is the show for you. Each week, we put out content where I'm interviewing top experts, leading authorities, and credentialed experts in the business of getting business. Our guest today is Jason Forrest. I first met Jason several years ago when we both sat on a panel for Jeff Hazlett's C-Suite Network, and I've been following him ever since, and he's solid. Jason is the CEO of Forest Performance Group. He's a leading authority in culture change programs and an expert at creating high performance, high profit, and best place to work cultures. He's the winner of five international Stevie Awards for his training programs. Jason is also an award-winning author of six books, including Leadership Sales Coaching, which is rated as one of Selling Power Magazine's top sales books. Make sure you check out the show notes when you listen to the show today, I put his LinkedIn link on there as well as links to his content. And I hope you get some great ideas from Jason today. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Today, we've got a special guest, Jason Force, who is the CEO at Force Performance Group. Jason, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey Scott, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. I've known you for a while, not really well, but I know we've kind of shared the stage before at, at conferences. But tell us a little bit about who you are. What's your background, just so we know who you are and our topic today, just so that people know we're talking about the mindset of a sales warrior. Yeah, so so I've owned my company now for, gosh, about 12 or 13 years now. And um, you're really in the space of doing three things when it comes to for sales. Mm -hmm. That is improving the mindset, improving the process, and improving the language of what does it take to be a sales warrior. Uh, as it relates to our company, we really do three things in our organization. Number one, uh, we're a sales recruiting company. So we'll, we'll go out there and find you a fearless sales warrior, That's make true. sure they're better than half your existing team, right. and then put them through our warrior selling training program. And then number two is our warrior selling training program for existing people, turning them from helpers to warriors. And then last is our coaching program, teaching managers how to be the Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick of coaching. Oh, that's great. And so how did you get into this? Is this something you've always done or, or what was your background prior to having your consulting firm? Well, I was really fortunate that I, I was one of those kind of lucky kids that um, was programmed by parents that are very kind of pro sales. You know, I think a lot of kids are not, not kind of raised in a kind of a sales positive family, you know? Right. Uh, but my father's owned a jewelry store for the last 40 something years in Dallas. So sales and small business. My mom's a, a speech teacher for the last 50 years with teaching public speaking. And then my Sunday school teacher growing up, Scott, was Zig Ziglar. So no kidding. So, wow. Yeah. So I just, I was always hit in all directions as far as motivation and, and speaking and selling and and so, you know, I wanted to be a dentist, but I, I decided to be a sales trainer. Yeah, they're like, get out of that dental school. Come on, get back on the phone, make another cold call, son. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's great, man. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And so you've been there, you've seen what people uh, do to become successful in sales. And for those listening, if you're in professional services, client development, we all know it is sales. You're actually selling to a sophisticated a target market, a very sophisticated service. So you've seen all this. When we talk about a sales warrior, help help me get some definitions with that. What does that mean exactly? Sure. So first off, we all need to realize that a warrior is just an archetype. And we all have a warrior archetype within us. Mm 
So if there's ever been a time where you, you know, you had an F or a C in a, in a, in a class in school when you were a kid and you, you persevered and you turned it into an A, you were a warrior. If you've ever broken a bone or sprained something and you you overcame it and you, you came back and you turned it around, you were a warrior. If you ever birthed a child, <laughs> then you were a warrior. So warrior is just an archetype of someone who perseveres. You know, a modern day warrior is your first responder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the people who run into the burning building to go save lives and everyone else is running away from it. That's what a warrior is. Now, from a sales perspective, a warrior is a protector. It's a protector of the customer's best interest. It's a protector of making sure the customer doesn't get conned Mm -hmm. by the con artists out there that are trying to convince them to, you know, buy this thing over here that's really going to help them, but it's really going to harm them. And it's really more of a con. And so they're protecting the customer. At the same time, they're protecting the customer from spending less and and, and getting less. Mm -hmm. And they're also an advocate and a protector of the company they serve. Interesting. So let me kind of ask you this question then. It seems like what you're describing in many ways for some people who are in sales, I wouldn't say it's counterintuitive to what they do because they might see themselves as that advocate and protector of their client, of their customer. Do you think that people in sales, they have a bad rap overall, that they just aren't looked at with this sort of model? I do. I do. Yeah. So we're kind of in a, in a weird situation right now, meaning that that um, less than 3% of colleges teach selling. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's the actual sales profession. There's not a, not a single other profession that employs more people than the, the profession of sales. Right. So at the same time, you know, there's not a lot of training around it. So we had this kind of perfect storm for um, the situation that we're in. We've got a high demand for great salespeople, but we, we have a low supply that's really happening. There are more colleges that teach art history than there are sales. Right, right. I understand. That's, <laughs> that's interesting. But how many art history jobs are there? <laughs> right. So, so yes, it's a problem, right? And so my personal mission statement is to ignite the pride, purpose, and respect to professional selling. That's great. Well, to I make like, it noble. We make it yeah. proud. Make it something that we're excited to go home to our, you know, our our family on Thanksgiving. And when your when your grandma says, you know, hey son, you still got that sales job? Or how long are you going to be into that? How long do you have to do that until you get into management? Was there another job you could have gotten? <laughs> you know, I want them to be able to stand up for themselves and say, no, this is a great job. This is a sales is a invincible economic job. That's right. And what I've noticed from my perspective in dealing with big law firms, those that know how to earn the trust of that client and get the business, those are the ones that usually are paid more because they're paid based on their results of getting the work coming in, of being able to really sell work. That's it. I mean, you think about it, you know, selling is not the most important skill in life, but it is second to breathing. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so help us get our arms around what it means to be a sales warrior. Are there any characteristics that you think we could kind of look at that we might want to emulate as we're trying to adopt that persona, that archetype? Yeah. So I want, I want everyone to write this down. Uh, the word Gump, G-U-M-P. So my name is Jason Forrest. So think of Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. And a Gump, you know, they can sell as fast as the wind blows, Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're great. But a GUMP, G stands for goal-oriented, okay? So goal-oriented means that these are sales professionals that, or in your case, the attorneys, that every day they wake up going, okay, where's the new business opportunity out there? 
You know, who do I need to be calling today? Who are my targets? Who are my key accounts? Right. Versus someone who has low goal clarity, their manager goes to them and says, hey, salesperson, who are you following up with today? So high goal clarity, very self-managed. Low goal clarity has to be externally managed. Let me ask you this. Do you think that is something that people are born with? Is it something that mom and dad instilled in them? Or did they develop it as they got old? Or can we teach people this? What do you think? Well, I do think that the research says that by by the age of 13, we've been about 95% programmed. Yeah. So by the age of 13, 95% of our kind of beliefs and thoughts have been created from our upbringing, from our culture and our society and our parents. However, we do we are human beings and we have free will. And so we do have the ability to kind of reprogram our hard drive. And so if you were not taught to be goal-oriented by the age of 13, then you 100% can choose to be goal-oriented. And how would you make that choice? You would just say, okay, well, let's look at all the people out there that are achieving things that I'm not achieving. And what is one of the key things that they have going for them? Well, they have very clear outcomes and goals of what they want to accomplish on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly basis. Mm -hmm. So tell me then, so goal-oriented, that's the first one. What are some of the others that we need to look at here? Sure. So U stands for unleashed. So it's unleashed of their self-doubts, unleashed of their stories, unleashed of their reluctances, and unleashed of their rules. Interesting. What are some examples of that? What are some of those those things that chain them and hold them back? What are some examples that you've seen from your work as a consultant? Sure. So let's just take March of 2020. That was the fun time that coronavirus hit, right? right? So as soon as coronavirus hit, there was kind of a line of demarcation. So meaning that an immediate belief system was created. And that was because of the coronavirus, I'm either, I either have to A, lower my sales forecast in 2020, or B, I now have an opportunity to gain market share. Right. So that's a belief. That's a mindset. It's amazing in March. I mean, one of the, the book I wrote in March is called How to Sell Through the Coronavirus. And I specifically talked about this in the opening chapter. And I just said, think about how many human beings that month immediately made that decision. Right. They said, this is it. Okay, guys, let's all get together. Let's lay people off. Let's lower our forecast. You know, it's doom and gloom. Like we can't get through this, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or they go, hey, what a great opportunity for us to take market share from our competition that's going to believe that. And looking back, those organizations that had that perspective and saw where those opportunities were, they were the ones that were able to double down and see that there are, and that's my belief as well, that no matter how bad things get, somebody's still going to be making money out there. You just have to figure out where are those opportunities. You're absolutely- or, it's, or it's like my dad would say, billionaires are created during the worst of times. Right. Billionaires, right? So that's you. M stands for motivated. So motivated is the energy that a person has to prospect, mm-hmm. the energy a person has to self-promote. So a real life example of that would be ghosting. So think of so the attorneys listening right now, you know, you've got a, a potential customer that you're working and you've, you know, you've given them a, a proposal about your work, you know, you followed up with them and you got ghosted. They did not respond, right? right. And, and so the question is, how many times are you going to follow up before you just give up? Because you tell yourself some sort of story that says, I just can't do this anymore. If they want the business, they're going to call me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the higher the motivation, the more you just follow up because it's the right thing to do. The lower the motivation, you will only follow up dependent upon if you actually get them, if they call you back. Interesting. Is this something that somebody is born with as well? Or is it 
something that you've seen people have changed in that specific area when you've trained them? I definitely think, yeah. So I think people can definitely change on this. It's, I mean, everything in life is really about programming. It's about seeing that we have the ability to change anything. But motivation, a lot of times, is connected to your why. It's connected to your energy. You know, so if you have a strong kind of crusader-like mission-focused why that you go, okay, look, this customer is not calling me back right now. However, I know that I'm the best option for them. I'm the best attorney for them. I'm the best solution for them. And if I don't get a hold of them, that means that one of my competitors is going to get a hold of them. And that's that person is going to not serve them at my level. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I'm going that that why is what compels me to make another follow-up call, to call them again. And let me ask you about, about this. Is there a way to do that in a way that's still professional and engaging that isn't going to alienate them from you? Because you don't want them to say, uh, quit stalking me. <laughs> what, how do you recommend that people use that approach, but in a professional way so that they can keep it pretty light and keep that relationship open? Yeah, great question. So so one, I would definitely please everyone connect with me on LinkedIn, just Jason Forrest, two R's on LinkedIn. And I'm always putting all kinds of different follow-up strategies and prospecting strategies on there. But I think it's important to constantly disrupt the pattern, like change things up. And this is one of our courses that we teach. So for example, we use dub, D-U-B-B.com. So dub is, um, is a video emailing uh, technology. And so I can create a quick dub video and then I can send it to a person. So now they actually hear my voice. As soon as they watch the video, I get an alert on my phone that says they, they watched it. Oh, um, on the dub, I also have my Calendly link. So when I follow up with someone, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while and you know, give them a special message, please you know, email me back and let me know a good time to connect. Or for your convenience, my calendar is right below this video. So just go ahead and book yourself on my calendar. That's great. So, like, so just finding ways to be unique and different. Like another thing I did at the end of last year, I hired a Santa online, paid him 50 bucks and wrote a script for a Santa to create a video for me. Okay. <laughs> so then check this out, Scott. So then, so I have Santa, it was a script based on, you know, the greatest gift you can give yourself this year is the gift of improved sales, right? right? Something like that. And then what I did is I took Apple Clips. So on my Apple phone, Clips is a, an app that's included. And I uploaded the Santa, right? And then I added a personalized video <laughs> after the Santa. Oh, so for example, great. Santa would go first. And then I would say, hey, Scott, what did you think of Santa? Just like Santa said, the best thing you could do is improve your sales. Let's get on the, I want to get on the calendar with you and talk about our proposal. Here's some available times, right? So it's, it's about changing it up, about being lighthearted. It's about disrupting the pattern, call to actions, et cetera. That's great. So we've got goal-oriented, unleashed, motivated, and what's the last one here? The P stands for procedural base, procedural based. So in the neuro-linguistic programming world, um, which is one of my big backgrounds, there are several meta patterns, but one of the meta patterns is option-based versus Mm procedural-based. So option-based is every customer is different. Okay. Okay. Procedural-based is every customer might be different, but I'm still going to follow the same process. See the difference? Mm-hmm. So the most successful salespeople on the planet are procedural-based. They're very ritualistic. Right. They follow this exact same sales process every single time. Now, here's the thing. Attorneys listening, I guarantee you the most successful attorneys are listening. They are very procedural when it comes to building their case, Right. building their case as a lawyer, right? But the question is, are you procedural when it comes to selling, Are you procedural when it comes to prospecting? In a lot of cases, we're not. 
And for some reason, our, the story we tell ourselves is, well, yeah, but it's different. If I'm, if I was, you know, when it comes to selling, it's more of an art form. It's more of let's feel the customer out. Every customer is different. That's not true. That's not what the science says. The top salespeople are very ritualistic and very procedural. So you got to follow a specific step-by-step process. And one example of that that I've seen from people on the legal side, uh, I've interviewed other people on this podcast that are coaches that understand the nuance of legal that used to practice law. Uh, And one partner I know who's become a friend of mine, he told me about his business plan. And I even got to talk with him about that. And he mentioned that one of his goals is to have 50 meaningful connections with clients and prospective clients. Meaningful meaning he's going to have lunch with them. He's going to make it a point to see him in person at a conference or now in a virtual world in a different way. And I asked him, I said, how did you come up with that number? And he said, it's one a week, just one meaningful connection each week. And I thought, that's fantastic. He's got something. It's simple. He can do it. And compare that to somebody over three years that hasn't done any of that. Well, he's 150 people further ahead. So even if it's something that's simple, do you think even something simple and minor is enough, Jason, from your experience? Sure. I mean, I, look, I think, I mean, something, something I believe is that, that our outcome always equals our process pattern and strategy. Right. So whatever, or another way to say it, right, is what you're currently doing is equal to what you're currently getting. So if you want to change your outcome, you got to change your process pattern and strategy. So whatever your current income is, your current conversion rate, your current revenue you're producing, just look at, look at what you're doing to make that happen. Right. Right. And then just, okay, well, if I want to give myself, you know, a pay raise, okay, well, what do you need to change in order to make that happen? Or a better way to, another example is Jim Rohn, you know, the great Jim Rohn motivational speaker. He was the coach of Tony Robbins, my favorite of all times. You know, he, he tells a story about, hey, it's real simple. You know, if you want to understand how to be poor, go ask one of your friends that's really poor, that's, that's been divorced several times, can't keep a relationship, keeps getting fired from a job, maybe serve some time in prison. Say, hey, I want to take you out for a steak dinner. I want, to tell, I want you to tell me exactly what you do step by step. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it, success leaves clues, right? Failure leaves clues. And so you just got to decide, you know, what is the outcome I'm desiring? And then you have to reverse engineer it and figure out, okay, what is the process pattern strategy I need in order to get to that outcome? Right. Let me kind of go down this path a little bit here. If we were to see what are the most obvious reasons why salespeople fail, what do you think those pitfalls would be? What would be some things that we should avoid in our efforts to really grow our, our businesses, to grow our practices with that sort of sales warrior mentality? Sure. So besides the idea of the gump, right, the goal-oriented, unleashed, motivated, procedural base, because that's a lot of it. And in my book, The Mindset of a Sales Warrior, I talk about 42 strategies on how to remove those leashes. But besides that, from a tactical standpoint, you know, it's stuff like like right now, if I was to say, okay, well, okay, so as an attorney, you know, why you? Like, what specifically are you offering me that the attorney down the street can't offer me? Absolutely right. You know, and, and can you communicate that to me when I say to you, I don't understand, why are you charging me $200 an hour more than, you know, Joe attorney next door? Can you explain that? And it can't just be that you've been in business 10 years longer. That doesn't mean anything to me. So you got to be able to understand your competitive, you know, value, and you got to understand what other people are charging that do the same services you you serve from a public perspective. And then you got to be able to explain if you're going to charge more. You got to be able to explain why that is. That's right. Point of distinction. What is it that you can say that nobody else can say? And otherwise, the conversation, as you know, can go to price, and then it's usually a race to the bottom. Scott, the brutal, honest truth is is um, if you are losing sales based on price right now, then it's either A, 
you are not providing enough, enough value to justify that price, or B, you are failing to communicate that value. Right. It's one of the two. Right. So you either lower your price or you up your standards on, on how to communicate it. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. What are some other pitfalls that you think people should avoid? Yeah, so I would say, um, so that's, an, that's a big one. Uh, another one would be, I think the obvious of coming up with their, you know, their, their, what I would call their selling message, which is probably similar to what I just said, but in a different way. So we teach a selling message concept called the veto, which is something I came up with. So veto, you want to veto the customer's current perspective. So veto stands for V, vision, E, example, T, teach, O, own, right? So it'd be something like, so the vision of our law practice is to do blank and blank and blank. For example, you know, let me tell you how, let me share with you how I helped, you know, so-and-so that was in the same situation as you, and this is what happened with them. The four ways that we were able to help so-and-so accomplish blank, which is what you're all also trying to accomplish is number one, number two, number three, number four. Assuming, own, assuming you were to start tomorrow, here's how we would work and here's how it would look in your world. That's really good structure. It's called the veto. And so I, I use, the, I use the, the acronym veto in the sense of you want to veto the customer's current paradigm because they come in with a paradigm of what they think you're supposed to do as an attorney, meaning from what they've heard in the locker room, what they've heard from their friends, their past experiences. Maybe they think you overcharge. Maybe they think attorneys in general overcharge. Whatever their paradigm is, mm-hmm. you have to veto that perspective, veto that, that paradigm. And again, the way you do that is through vision, example, teach, and own. That's great. And so what have you seen people that you've taught this concept to? Are there any big changes that you've noticed from those that are in some sort of sophisticated sales or professional services where they've taken this concept and they've told you, this is what I was able to do with it? Well, the biggest thing that they'll say is that, one, their sales cycle increases faster, which is great, because the definition of selling, um, from my perspective, is just certainty plus education with rapport. Right, right. Right. So you've got to give people certainty. You've got to educate and back up your beliefs. Or as my mom would say, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what you can prove in the court of law. Right. That's right. So, you know, my mom's a speech teacher. She's my debate coach growing up. Right. So in deb- and that's the debate philosophy. Right. So one, your, con- your conversion rate will go up. Your sales cycle will increase. Uh, the other thing that will happen, too, is that you won't be so caught off guard with the objections that come your way because objections See, my whole thing is right now, everyone needs to make a list of, you know, what are their top six objections that they get, you know, they've they've received in the last 30 days? Well, then what you need to figure out is how can you, in your veto, how can you justify those potential objections so that when the objection comes up, you need to say, well, yeah, you're right. You know, we do charge blank. Remember earlier I said that that um, people know us, people choose us because of blank and our vision is this and we helped so-and-so similar because of this and the four we do is this. And you said you really liked that. And I asked, how did that compare to the other attorneys you're considering? Mm-hmm. And you said, it's way better. And I said, well, how is that in line with what you're trying to accomplish? You said, it's exactly what you're trying to accomplish. Well, because of that, that's why we charge blank. Right. So to me, handling objections is all about just reminding them of what they said earlier is, is the reason why they prefer you over the alternative. Well, I like what you said, write down your six top objections and then go through each one of those with the veto concept that you mentioned. What's the vision, example, teach, and own? That's fantastic. Yeah. So does your selling message justify, you know, or overcome whatever potential objection might come up? 
So Jason, let me ask you this. Before we kind of wrap things up here, I wanted to ask you if there are three action steps somebody can take to get started on integrating some of these concepts. Because I know we've just scratched the surface on all these. What would be three steps you'd recommend somebody take to kind of start integrating these things into their into their processes? Perfect. So besides buying my book or coming to my monthly boot camps you right, right. <laughs> at fpg.com. That's right. So I think, so number one, right, let's just review what we talked about today. So number one, it would be uh, make a list of those six objections. I think that's important. Okay. Number two would be coming up with what is their veto, their vision example, teach and own. And specifically when I, the areas that I, I, people really struggle with is that example piece. Mm -hmm. The brain likes stories. And so make sure that you're giving a really, you're inserting a really good story in that example of how you specifically served a customer that has a similar situation to your target audience. What are your target market? So I think that's important. And then the third thing I would say is, is start to notice and be aware of your thoughts. Mm. Because remember earlier, I said that when the coronavirus hit, people had one of two thoughts, either one, this whole coronavirus thing is going to cause me to lower my forecast or I call those a thoughts or B thoughts are, this is a great opportunity for me to win market share. So my question is, do you have A thoughts or B thoughts? Because A thoughts are, hey, it's it's time to go buy some more toilet paper. Yeah. You know, B thoughts are, hey, what a great buying opportunity for us to go buy some stock out there. You know what I mean? So so be just be really conscious of your thoughts and then just notice that those thoughts is what's going to connect to your emotions, which connect to your motivations, which connects to your behaviors, which, which connects to your results. That's great, Jason. So you've given us a lot of great ideas. And I'm going to put the links on the show notes, but tell me and those listening, what are some of the offerings? I know you alluded to some of these things during our conversation, but what are some other things that that you want people to know? This is what you have that's available as a resource that can help. Yeah. So so every month uh, we have our warrior selling boot camps that are taught online. It's a two-day boot camp. There's a follow-up program that goes with it. It's only $800 for the boot camp. It's five grand for the follow-up program. Of course, we have a recruiting program, which is just incredible. We're the only, you know, when it comes to specifically our world, we've, as far as how we do it with our assessments and recruiting and what we do, uh, training built in. So that's a pretty cool offering. And then um, another offering is my, my book, The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. You can buy it on Amazon. It was listed as the best new sales book in 2019. However, for those who are listening, if you go to warriormindsetbook.com, so warriormindsetbook.com, then you can get the book for free. You just pay shipping and handling. And then there's a bunch of other offers on there as far as affirmations and goal setting guides. And you know, for those who, who need to improve their goal setting, there's a whole goal setting program on there, all kinds of cool stuff you can get. So warriormindsetbook.com. Yeah. Thank you for giving me that link. I'm going to make sure that's on the show notes also. So if anybody's listening to this in the car, just go to where you got the podcast. And you'll see the links that Jason mentioned, including the warriormindsetbook.com link. Jason, thanks so much for being here today. I look forward to having you on as a guest in the future, and I hope that we can keep in touch. Sounds good. Perfect. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.